0: Hello everybody. Welcome in. So glad to have you guys here. It's been a long four days since I've been here. Of course, if you guys missed last Friday's show where I did an impromptu show to make up for missing last Monday. Uh, last uh, last Friday we did discuss... Um, so we had a good conversation around the criminal justice system as an overview and so tonight i as promised i'm so excited um i've got the man that i think at the beginning of every show coming on tonight to talk about the war on drugs so we'll get into that in a little bit and of course if this is your first time here i want to thank you guys all very much i am of course mr murica the bearded truth jason lyon and i uh, want to thank you guys all for being here i am your neighborhood friendly libertarian talk to you guys about politics and social issues one liberty at a time so thank you all for for taking the time to like this, to share this out, to get your friends and family engaged on this. Of course, if you are checking us out on Facebook or on YouTube, on Twitter, Periscope, Live, Float, wherever you guys are seeing this live, it's always appreciated for any kind of support you guys throw for this. If you guys are, are, aren't able to stick it out for the show, don't worry. You can always catch us on all of your favorite podcast apps, including anchor.fm. And so, uh, we're we're looking forward to a good night of discussing the war on drugs with Mr. Matt Wright himself. And of course, Matt Wright and Spike Cohen, the owners of Muddy Waters Media, giving me a platform. We always have to say thank you to them for letting me come on here and pontificate to you all about the issues that we face and a little bit of the historical context of them. So, I'm so excited for tonight. Matt Wright is... I mean, you guys have all heard him every Tuesday night, him and, and him and Matt running through Muddy Waters Media, traversing those muddy waters. Um, and then we got him again on Thursday nights with the writer's block. I'm so excited for the conversation tonight. But without further ado, let's go ahead and bring him in. How is it going, Matt?
1: It's it's going it's going great. I uh, I got a new pair of shoes today that I'm currently breaking in under the desk.
0: Are they Converse?s No, they're Docs. They're Docs. Okay, because I, yeah, I remember I remember one of your gifts that you'd received in this last year. That happened to be a pretty pretty sick pair of Converse?s.
1: So uh, for for I think that was for Christmas. Um, it was either. It was. For Christmas. Yeah, okay. Uh I got every color of Converse possible for guys.
0: Oh, oh, never mind. Maybe it was not Christmas. I was talking about your muddy water flavored. Uh that
1: was so that was supposed to be for Christmas, I think, but uh I got they're actually right here. I've got those right here. Um one of a kind. I got one of a kind, yeah. My one of a kind con in uh I got these for the anniversary. Of muddied waters, December fourth of oh. last year. So got these.
0: We got we got to show off new kicks, <laughs> even if they're the older <laughs> kicks. Yes, great shoes from the chat. Um, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm so incredibly excited about this conversation and this is actually is a conversation that I've, I've been looking forward to have, um, with you and with Spike. And so I'm glad that you had the opportunity to come on here and talk about this and maybe in some future day, I'll, I'll, I'll gain the courage to, to ask Spike as well. But, um, because when I, when I first started here at Buddy Waters Media, um, you know, we, we were all getting to know each other at, at the time of when I joined, right? And yeah. one thing that really stuck out to me was the idea that we were all so incredibly passionate for different reasons around the criminal justice system. And, uh, the war on drugs is one that I, I at least on me, for me, it's like top three for, for conversation pieces of, of just the atrocities that are being committed, um, with, Good intentions from the government but but just absolutely destroying the lives of of everyone around us and and um i i feel like watching you and you and spike talk about this topic this is something that really resonates with you guys as well um so i was i was incredibly excited to i when i started this segment of or this show i was like matt wright he's gonna be my guy for the war on drugs i i I had that and i knew that as soon as i could i wanted to have you on
1: somebody somebody who has been on both sides well i haven't been on both sides of the war on drugs but uh who has fallen victim to the uh to to the atrocities of the war on drugs you gotta get that guy on
0: (laughs) i mean it's not a matter of like uh just your personal experience through it all but i think that certainly having that um may have helped you from what i've at least perceived as as your passion around this topic of of how do we help people who are addicted? How do we, how do we have a society structured around um, benefiting people who who may be stuck in a cycle? Um, right. So <laughs> not necessarily trying to try to pick on you or highlight bad parts of or regretful moments.
1: So I, I openly talk about uh, the fact that I'm an addict um, and, you know, I'm, in in September I will be uh, seven years math yeah seven <laughs> seven 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 years uh sober that's and, amazing um yeah and uh what's funny is i would like a lot of people wouldn't expect this but i was a pretty clean cut kid like i smoked cigarettes because that, that was my rebellious way of Who doing smokes? things right yeah it's all about the vape gotta vape now
0: <laughs> i just quit what's smoking last did? week
1: <laughs> i didn't i didn't start i didn't start vaping I had quit smoking like years before I quit anything else because, you know, it was unhealthy to smoke and everything else was fine. Um, And then as soon as I quit like drinking and doing everything else, uh, I started vaping. Yeah. Because my body was just like, I need to do something. I I need advice. I
0: need something consistent. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, But So I was like a pretty clean cut kid, like smoked a ton of cigarettes. And that was about it. Like I didn't really drink and I didn't really do anything. Um, And then I had a friend who was, who was dating this girl who she, for some reason, like looked at me like a little brother. And one day she was just like, here, have this dime bag of weed. And I'd smoked weed like a handful of times at this point. And I was like, okay, cool. And I put it in my car and completely forgot that I had it. And then I got pulled over and I didn't know at the time about, you know, you can say no to police. Um, I didn't like, I didn't realize and they're like, we want to search your car. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And so they did. And I ended up getting arrested for this dime bag of weed. Um, And I was on probation for a dime bag of weed for like four years and i was like i had to go to na meetings and aa meetings and um it was during this time period that i was like how this is this this is a plant that grew in the ground that i've smoked a handful of times and i don't really understand why this is illegal and you know things like alcohol are legal and so that's when i was like well screw this and i just started doing
0: Everything. <laughs> so it wasn't that the drugs themselves were the incentive, but it was just like, if it was if the it's, government, the if, government if made so, me do drugs. Yeah. If it's so stupid that it's going to prohibit something that grows out of the ground naturally, what benefits could it be from, from all this other shit? Right. right. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Yeah. So, so thank you, government, for my addiction issues. Um, <laughs> but that's yeah <laughs> oh see I, but, I, I go ahead but that's so that's like not an uncut like okay it's it's a little bit of an uncommon story yeah. where people are like yeah i didn't really do anything and somebody gave me weed one day that i forgot about and that's how i ended up getting arrested um oh, and wow. i was like like it's not uncommon for somebody who just like smokes weed occasionally to get especially back then to get hemmed up in that kind of situation. And then they Mm -hmm. get mad at the scenario going on and then they end up reacting to it and being like, no, why do you have a right to tell me what goes in my body? Like, this is my body, you know, my body, my choice, Um, you know, unless it's vaccines, Um, my body, my, (laughs) my body, my choice. And, you know, if I want to, inject black tar heroin into my veins that is my choice because i am not doing anything to anybody else yes um and it was that was where i first started on my pathway like i was hardcore republican um and i like that was what kicked me on my way to being a libertarian was i got arrested for a dime bag of weed
0: that wasn't even technically yours like yeah it was gifted to you but like you didn't purchase it uh nope. it did you you hadn't clearly had no plans to like actually use it um because you literally forgot it even existed uh
1: <laughs> i i remembered the moment i said okay you can search my car i went Oh, wait.
0: <laughs> and of course, if you're like, that's not mine, like, they're going to be like, is this your car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh. Right. So, so I discussed on the show last Friday, I, I discussed a little bit about what, um, Uh, probation was but so you'd mentioned that probation just to give people a little bit more of an understanding um, because you were in florida i presume at this time uh no i was in virginia still in virginia so so what kind of how did probation work for you in for those four years like what kind of a if if you wouldn't mind going into a little bit of like the the structured plan that you had around that
1: um. That's weird. We only have two people on this call, and Zoom is telling me I'm running out of time. Um. Looks like we're looks like we're buying it, uh, <laughs> because I don't want your show to end in the middle of this. Hey guys, um, limited show today. <laughs> really limited. It's going to be ten more minutes. Um. So yeah. I'm, what was your question again? Because I'm going to try to do this. So at the I, same I, I can time. I can
0: go ahead and, and plug a little bit while you while you go through that. Um, hey guys, welcome to Buddy Waters Media, where technical uh, difficulties is the norm. Uh, of course, we started a couple minutes late because of my slack butt. But uh, nonetheless, while Matt Wright is helping out with some other technical difficulties, so we don't end the show 15 minutes into the show. Um, I want to thank you guys all for being here. And, and of course we are diving into a little bit of Matt Wright's personal experience, which was not the intended goal for tonight in any way, shape or form. If I could show you my three, three, uh, three hyphenated ty- uh show notes, they, none of those said Matt Wright, talk to me about your experiences, but, but I think that it's important <laughs> that when we go through this, that we, we can understand some of the experiences of somebody who's been on On been caught up in the system in in some capacity. Thankfully, Matt Wright's not sitting there and suffering in jail as so many people are for for merely marijuana, something that is legalized in many states across the the country, both for medicinal reasons and recreational. Um, But, you know, we, we even have people that are incarcerated still from states that have made it legal where... You know, we've all seen the memes of, of these dispensaries looking like Apple stores, um, but people are yet still incarcerated for merely trying to either A, medicate themselves, um, such as people who have uh, seizures, people who have uh, chronic headaches, who have loss of appetite, um, who are in chronic pain, people with PTSD, so a large portion of our veteran community and everything else. Um And and so there's, there's so much there, um, that is a, an actual medicinal benefit. And, and I am planning on, I've got somebody who I just saw in the, in the, in the chat a minute ago, um, who is, um, I would, I would call more of a, a, of a cannabis expert on this. Um, I've had a couple conversations with him around this. And so we will definitely have a show in the future on this specific topic. Um, I'm, I'm so incredibly excited for that one as well, but let's not to to segue too far away from, from tonight's show and, and this discussion. Um, and, and so I'm excited for that. Also, I want to do plug to you guys that if you guys are looking to help fund this Zoom call, <laughs> you guys are more than welcome to go over to anchor.fm slash Muddy Waters of Freedom, And you guys can go ahead and drop donations in there to help out, support the show. Um, this is not this Zoom call is not just supporting the the Mr. America, the Bearded Truth show on Monday nights, but this is typically helping out on, on Tuesday nights for Muddy Waters of Freedom. And of course, Wednesdays and, and Thursdays where Matt Wright has his show writer's block where he's consistently having great guests um, or Wednesday nights where with my fellow Americans where Spike Cohen has amazing guests on as well so feel free to go on over there and, and help out fund Muddy Waters Media th- drop some donations help out the guys and uh, help uh, help keep this dream uh, thriving and surviving I, I, I'm assuming by the we're sitting good. back either A you're good or B we're okay. okay we're in CEO land alright <laughs> perfect so uh my question for you is um as you went through that process um once you got sentenced for your four years of probation um could you talk because uh, i did discuss this on on friday show but we didn't get to go into like in depth of like how a probation process actually works um could you talk about some of the structuring or some of the limitations that you had um while you so- were on probation
1: in all fairness, I did not get sentenced to four years of probation. I got sentenced to two years of probation. And then I failed to meet certain requirements for my probation, which is why it kept getting extended. Um, I never once failed the drug test, though. I did not fail the drug test. I uh, figured out how to not do that. Um, but good uh, life when <laughs> yeah, very good life skills, um, I figure, uh so I had to get drug tested once a month and it was random. Um, and it was random. So that way, like, and legitimately, I basically never did drugs during this time. That's when I really started kicking up my drinking though. Cause you can they do that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care. That's fine. Um, so I really started kicking up the drinking, uh, but, uh, I had to do, I think it was a thousand hours of community service. Um, I had to go to X amount of, uh, AA and NA meetings a month, which the beautiful thing, if anybody out there is on probation and I don't know if they still make you do this, the second word in AA and NA is anonymous. So you can literally have anybody fill out those forms. Like they can't check it's anonymous. Uh, Just a little life hack there. So after my first two weeks, I didn't go to another one. Um, And then I had to go and pass alcohol safety course, alcohol and drug safety courses, which is a really good class if you are trying to learn the proper way to do drugs. <laughs> um, and so I didn't pass those courses for the first couple of times, which is how I ended up on probation longer. Okay. Um, so in uh, the community service, uh that i hated too so i'm not sure if i got that done in my first stint of it but i did get it done on the second one um but yeah the the passing of the alcohol drug classes is what kept me in longer
0: oh man that's <laughs> that's funny that, i actually missed
1: were... a club I, I missed a class because i overslept legitimately overslept uh, my, it was my last class and I overslept it. And so one, if you are going to be late, they were just like, no, nah, you can't come in. And uh, so I woke up and I was like five minutes late. So I was just like, well, guess I'm not going to that one. And uh, that class was at 615 at night. And I overslept it.
0: That's amazing. That that is a life skill there too. So it, it's it's interesting that, you know, going through that process that as you had explained, that you know, this is mandated by the judicial system that you go through this and it's a it's you can learn skills there in order to avoid the judicial system from it. So it's just right but they don't care they 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 clearly don't care (laughs) but uh i want to do a quick shout out real quick to bdsm guru uh for doing a 20 dollar donation on youtube thank you so much for for telling us that we're making things too complicated (laughs) appreciate it so much of course matt wright loves you right now as (laughs) i
1: do you're paying for this zoom call
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so i i just wanted to take a quick moment for that but um but no, so I I, I want to actually move into a little bit of the show notes of what I actually had written down somewhat, um, because I actually had stuff down this time, and and I think that he that's did. incredibly important. I, I showed uh, um, he had show notes. Yeah, I I showed him from my constitution night where I had literally three notes. Um, and I, I, I explained to him that I exhausted those in about the first thirty seconds of the show. So he was he was ready for this. Um <laughs> these are not up up to, to Matt's standards. Uh not not Matt's standards, to Matt's typical show notes where things are well laid out and, and you can go <laughs> bullet point by bullet point. No, no. no. These are these are as if you had somebody who may be on the uh, influence of, of multiple different types of drugs at one time, <laughs> just throwing things in there. Uh, these, good luck so, trying to, go ahead.
1: In all fairness, these look like my Thursday show notes because I'm just like, I'll, I'll, I'll write down like, cause I have a guest on. So I have like six questions and then yeah. I'm just like, well, I don't know what they're going to say. So
0: that's yeah. it i i wrote some open-ended things potentially and and just gonna let it let it let it go where it goes you know um and and so as as i've discussed already a little bit uh tonight we are going to be discussing a little more in depth on the the war on drugs right a continuation from last week's discussion around the criminal justice system as an overview and wanted to dive into this because this is something that affects americans as a whole right this is um, and in the libertarian philosophy, this is a societal problem rather than a criminal problem. Um, and while we're treating it as a criminal problem, um, what kind of effects it causes and what kind of effects it's, it has. And also, we're going to be discussing a little bit about um, how it's not been used in the name of, of quote unquote, justice, but more of used on, on a racial line. Um, and And that certainly right as as libertarians as we're we're open with our conversations of look if you want to have justice it shouldn't be about a color it shouldn't be about a, a gender it shouldn't be about anything other than what it is right uh, when we talk about violations it's there's a victim created doesn't matter if the victim's white doesn't matter if the victim's black doesn't matter if they're they're um if they're a male female or etc um religious preference as well so um, so we're gonna dive into this, and and of course, um, Matt Wright covered up all my show notes with with a lot more information. So I'm sure that he can he can extract. It, it was only
1: comment. just it was only just one there because I just wanted to make sure that I got years right when okay. I was gonna talk. About okay,
0: this. <laughs> so uh, so go ahead. <laughs>
1: so the war the everybody knows that the war on drugs started like officially in like what 1971 yeah 1971 yep. by richard nixon uh that was when he created the drug enforcement agency and uh he was going after them damn hippies um because you know the hippies smoked a lot of pot and he figured that the way to stop that was to arrest them all for having marijuana um And marijuana was already illegal at this point. But even before 1971, um, the first known laws in the United States happened in the 1870s, uh, and they were anti-opium laws, and they were trying to shut down the opium dens, uh, and they were mainly targeting Chinese immigrants. Uh, That was where this all sort of stemmed from, and it was specifically targeting Chinese immigrants. They were like, no, we want to get, we don't want, we don't want the Chinese here as they said back then. Um, And that's how they figured they would get rid of them. Um, Then in the early 1900s, the drug that was approved by, well, there was no FDA, but the drug that was sold by many doctors, around the country started being banned. Uh, and there were anti-cocaine laws in the early 1900s that were directed at black men in the South. Which, uh,
0: just as a fun side note before you finish that, uh, I, there was a time in history when doctors would literally say, you're sick, why don't you do some cocaine about it?
1: Why don't you do cocaine? <laughs> in in the movie Goodwill Will Hunting... Um, Robin Williams has that really great line where he's like, "All right, next week we're going to talk about Sigmund Freud and why he did enough cocaine to kill a horse." And he did, and it was not r- rare for that to be an occurrence for for a doctor. Um but yeah, they they were they started realizing people of I'm guessing all races, uh, in in all areas of the United States, start realizing that cocaine is fun. Kids, um, kids love it. Uh, but they start realizing that it was a good time, and that you know they could go out and have fun and like feel energized and, uh, get like some sort of mental clarity. That's not actually (laughs) mental clarity. If, if you've done it, you understand what I mean by that. Um, but where you can just ramble on for hours about political things that you've never talked about ever in your life. Um, but yep. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) Yep. Um, been there, done it. Um, but (laughs) So they started saying, well, we don't want the black men in the South to be able to do this anymore because we don't like them feeling good. Um, and we don't they definitely shouldn't be talking about politics. So they ended up uh, creating anti-cocaine laws. And now a lot of people think that marijuana laws were because of black men as well. Uh, but no, it was actually they wanted to stop uh mexican migrants and mexican americans from smoking it or using it um and that was in the 1910s and 20s once it got into the 1930s where they started doing the bigger sort of federal pushes for it uh that was when they the guy the republican the republican senator senator said uh when the black man smokes i'm going to butcher this quote when the black man smokes the the marijuana uh, he feels as good as the white man or something like that yeah I, I don't remember the quote exactly but that's why they wanted to that's one of the ways that they got rid of it federally and yes i know that a lot of it had to do with dupont and uh william randolph hearst uh, because paper and plastic and hemp um
0: yeah, had the in, in 1937. You had the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, and and that right. one was one of those things that addressed and and so heavily taxed in order to to keep hemp out of the market. Uh,
1: right, and that was the big thing. Is they and the reason that they wanted to keep hemp out of the market, as we all know now, is you can use hemp to do everything.
0: Everything. Um,
1: Everything. It's it's a substitute for paper. It's a substitute for uh, plastics, and you can grow an acre of it, a full crop, a full crop of an acre in under a year, and it takes decades to do that with trees. Mm -hmm. So you could just keep recycling it, and hemp will also uh, clean the soil. It acts as a filter for all the bad stuff in the soil. So you just continually rotate that crop in and out, but they couldn't tell the difference between that and weed. So they were like, well, let's just get rid of it all. And William Randolph Hearst and DuPont were like, yeah, you should get rid of it all because that's going to cut into our profits. If people keep using hemp. So we need to stop doing that now.
0: Yep. Um, oh, it's weird. It's like regulatory capture in, in a, in a weird way It's like prohibiting something in order for another market to be successful somehow, good for our society
1: harry anslinger thank you roy martin yep harry anslinger um but yeah that is how like that was the beginning of it and then because you just told all of these people that you can't do this a lot of people started doing it um and it really and it did start with the black community and the jazz community they were all using it and it kind of was making its way into, and the Hispanics were already doing it, but that's when it started making its way into the white communities. And that's where hippies sort of stemmed from. Um, They started saying, you know, this is my body. I should be able to use this plant. And so they started using it. And as they were mounting this uh, front to Nixon in the early seventies, and he didn't want to lose re-election. Yep. Uh, he created the DEA to go after all of them. And anybody that was a political enemy of Nixon, uh, he said, go see if they have marijuana. If they don't, find it. And that was how
0: what's, all of that, What's that really interesting for me on this whole topic is that this is just merely a couple decades after we had, at the federal level, prohibition. And and so it took a constitutional amendment for them to say, all right, you guys can't drink any more alcohol. And then I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm the, i going to... Co- I've got to the... Go ahead.
1: If I remember correctly, um, and I may be completely off base here. Go ahead. But uh, Harry Anslinger, I think he was one of the people that was pushing for alcohol prohibition in order to help get funds... For police, and then once they overturned that, that's why he switched to marijuana. I think that's correct. I, I know so. I've heard that, but I'm I don't want to go out on a limb and say that's a hundred percent
0: true. Well, he saved me from making a terrible joke, so I appreciate that, and, right. and I hope that that's accurate because <laughs> I, I think I've heard that same thing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it, it took a, f- a federal constitutional amendment in order to prohibit alcohol, um, but then shortly thereafter. Took them just deciding to pass a law to prohibit something else that is actually naturally occurring, right? You can't go out into the fields and find your moonshine growing off of a, off of off a branch or anything like that, right? Um, so, so just from a constitutional uh, standpoint, right? There's there's really nothing there in in at least the bounds of, or the confinements of what's there to allow for this to happen. And, and this is right after a constitutional process in which we're having more prohibition come about. And, and just by using that targeting messaging of, you know, of open racism, you know, as you were talking about, like when a, when a black man smokes this, he's feels just as good as a white man. like, clearly there, there's a lot of, of filth when it comes to this um, but I think that as we as we dive further into this conversation we're gonna see just of how disparaging these numbers are as we continue on we spoke about the the cocaine um, issue for for black men where that was the target and and certainly right as we look at, at modern-day America today uh, cocaine is still very prevalent it's prevalent in the ghettos it's also prevalent in your rich communities it's um I, I I was working um as a as a as a bouncer, a little, little tiny Jason here was working as a bouncer and um while working, right, I would I it wasn't uncommon for somebody to slip me a Benjamin just to be like, hey look, you know, this table needs to be needs to be sniffed real quick and it's just like Benjamin says it's okay, you know? It, it, <laughs> these people had no risk of being caught because of kind of the communities that they lived in. Right. The, right. They, they weren't getting policed in the same uh, effects as what people in, in um, lower in the economic scales are. And, and so we still see those large disparaging uh, numbers and, and how this affects us. Um, and, and so I think that we, we did get through. Oh, so we, and you're to finalize your notes if you want to finish up um your 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 point there of where where we're at today
1: uh well yeah i mean as we like as we all know i was arrested for a dime bag and i had 4 years of probation i didn't see any jail time uh if i had been latino or black or you know pretty much any other minority odds are i would not have fared so well and you see that everywhere uh they're still subject to wildly disproportionate drug enforcement and sentencing practices. Rand Paul has talked about it. Um, Rand Paul has talked about it a lot. And I'm not like, I'm, I'm not like the Rand train guy, but Me in this case, he is right. In this case, he is right. Like these sentencing, this, they're disproportionately being sentenced in ways that people in the white communities aren't. And that is where you see the breakdown of the logic of all of this, and if you're not going to be doing it equally, well, you shouldn't be doing it at all, but if you're not going to be doing it equally, you should just get rid of it.
0: Yeah. And and I think that that's a, an important distinction as, um, kind of one of the, the, the beginning notions of this segment is to talk about how Republicans and Democrats are talking about this. Right. And, and generally when we have this discussion with the Republicans, they're saying, well, you know, let them, let them suffer and, and let them go through the process. And when they come out, hopefully they've, they figured out why drugs are bad and and hopefully they can be better. And Democrats say, well, there's a disproportionate number of people being affected by this. We just need to end that disproportionate number. And meanwhile, we're saying, yes, we need to end that disproportionate numbers, but, this also shouldn't be a crime. And certainly when we have communities across this country that allow for uh, recreational marijuana that has been de- uh, been legalized. And we, we, of course, advocate for decriminalizing where you shouldn't shouldn't really have the government involved in this. Um, but we also have uh, the uh, I always forget the name of the mushrooms there in Denver. Um, we're having other kinds of drugs being allowed or uh legalized across this country S- and, and psilocybin st- yes yeah, there we go um we're starting to have a, a, a good conversation around some of these natural drugs that are happening um but i think that our ultimate goal is to push towards something to the effect of what what portugal has wherein mm-hmm. that they've legalized all drugs and of course we want to go a step further than that
1: so you're seeing like the national conversation is flipping a lot and it's not just on uh natural drugs like you're seeing ketamine uh coming up as a way to treat ptsd and depression you're seeing uh ecstasy i mean that was what the drug was initially created for and boy howdy does it make you not sad um, <laughs> i love that uh, <laughs> mm. um, but yeah so seven you, years like sober you, seven <laughs> years sober one show with jason um, <laughs> but yeah so like you're seeing that like a lot of the drugs that were initially created uh in order to help with certain medical issues are being shown that yes it does work but there is a chance that people will abuse it um but that's a risk that you're going to take all the time with any drug, it really doesn't matter. But are you going to make it illegal for those who need it in order to punish those who are abusing it?
0: And and I think with that, um, oftentimes we get um, straw man on this conversation because people say, well, if you legalize it, then people are going to go out and drive on it and people are going to go and kill each other. They're going to go steal from others in order to, to be able to get their drugs because they're just going to be addicted to it and et cetera, et cetera. And, and so part of that straw manning, right, is we have DUI laws, on the books, right? This is for prescription medication. This is for alcohol, which is being abused regularly. I mean, regularly. my state, uh, we've got an incredibly high number of, of DUI uh, vehicular uh, killings each year because people are, are are committing this this isn't to say that this is acceptable this isn't to say like this is what we want but the um, but when we talk about this and and of course um, I, I mentioned Portugal a minute ago and when they had actually legalized all these drugs what they had actually seen is that the deaths related to the drugs themselves have gotten better right so they've had a reduction of those we've seen um, addiction rates go, go down we've seen um, adolescents children not be using this that's in my book, like that's a great thing, right because somebody who is under the age of twenty five their brain is still developing and still maturing and still trying to find that way and and even for marijuana right that that has the potential of of affecting that, and so we can we can actually try to, to steer our, our society better by by creating it or treating it more as a social problem and trying to help find people who are addicted, find help them find ways of getting better and through that. Um, but not to mention also for the stealing thing, because this one is one that I get all the time, what they saw there in Portugal is the actual cost of drugs vastly reduced because you allow for actual legal competition. You're not paying for armed thugs to protect black market drugs, but rather allowing for right. pharmacies to produce this.
1: Right. Yeah, you're gonna see a reduction in costs, which is gonna help everybody out. And then there are going to be more options for people to try to seek help if they need it, as opposed to uh as opposed to them trying to steal in order to pay for more drugs. Like they could be like, okay, I know I have a problem because I'm now stealing Nana's cash or, you know, Nana's retirement um, in order to pay for this, or I've just sold my mom's TV and I'm not saying I've done either of those things, but um, people will, when people see that they have an issue, they can at least go to try to get the treatment as opposed to, uh, trying to get to the next fix because it'll be easier to get the fix. You won't be shunned for getting the next fix. You'll be able to go and get it. And you, it won't be as looked down upon by everybody else in the world because they'll just be like, well, there's a health problem here and he needs to get help. But with all addicts, it's only going to come once they want to get the help.
0: Mm -hmm. and 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 to go for the perspective of of an addict right i think every american's addicted to something right whether it's Mm -hmm. caffeine right every morning you gotta wake up and you gotta have your cup of joe um nicotine alcohol uh sugar sugar is very addictive sugar Uh, is
1: very addictive
0: try, try to cut out sugar for like five five days right you're gonna go insane um but when when you have something that's addictive or that you're addicted to and it's illegal, who can you turn to to talk to, right? Because if you talk to your family, you talk to your friends, right? How many of them are you afraid that they're going to shun you and they're not going to want to associate with you because you came to them with a problem? Um, will your employer find this to be a benefit of you being able to talk to them and say, hey, look, you know, I got to I got to get this problem fixed. Um, Are you afraid that your employer is going to report you to the police? Can you go and talk to the authorities about having this problem and not risk going going to jail for for a long period of time? So this whole entire system by by treating these people as criminals for an addictive or to an addiction to a substance that we may not personally agree with or personally think that they should be using doesn't mean that they're any less of a human and that they can't get the help or that they shouldn't be able to get that help. And so that's, that's one perspective that I really hope that everyone can see with this, that we want to be able to give everyone opportunity to get the help that they need.
1: Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Everybody deserves to get the help that they need. Um, you know, at least be able to go and talk to somebody. Um, once, one of the things that I've noticed, especially since I've become sober, is uh, there's lots of people online who hate on addicts. Uh, they hate on addicts. And I don't take offense to it, and I don't take it personally, because I understand the argument. I used to say the argument um, before I started doing things, um, before life got good. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they all say you made the choice to do this. Like at some point you made the choice. And for some people, yeah, it's true. Like, yes, I made the choice to do this. Um, I defiantly was like, no, you can't tell me what's put in my body. So now I'm going to go and use a bunch of things. Yes. I made that choice. Um, but if you didn't have that stupid rule in effect anyway, I wouldn't have had to make that choice. Yeah. But On top of it, you have a lot of people and many addicts. This is a case for so many people across the United States. Uh, It's really bad in uh, West Virginia and Connecticut and Ohio and a couple other places, but where they had the pill mills that were just the doctors that were just giving pain prescriptions out, just giving out pain prescriptions. Oh, Florida. Yeah. Florida probably had that issue. Um,
0: (laughs) That's close to home.
1: Yeah, that's. (laughs) I think they that the (laughs) former attorney general kind of ran on that, Uh, but yeah, they were just constant. Like they were just giving out all these pain pills, and once your prescription was up, they were like, "Okay, well, go out, have fun." But now these people are dealing with this insane, uh, with the with these insane withdrawal symptoms, and they were getting zero help from anybody on it. So they ended up going, and they were buying black market. you know, Percocets, Vicodins, whatever, uh, for 20 bucks a pop just to help them deal with what they were dealing with. And next thing, you know, they're switching over because heroin is so much cheaper. Uh, so they switch over to heroin, uh, in order to save money. And then they switch from that to black tar heroin because black tar heroin is cheaper than not black tar heroin. And so you may have injured your leg or hurt your back from a car accident. That wasn't your fault. You get given, uh, you're given a prescription for painkillers and go two years down the road and bam, you're addicted to black tar heroin and doing weird things for cheeseburgers. Um, (laughs) that's a deep cut for anybody who doesn't watch movies from the (laughs) nineties. Um, but that, so Like it's not always a choice there at some, at some point you have to see that there isn't a choice made by every single person out there. Um, And a lot of the people on the right got real quiet in the early two thousands when Rush Limbaugh got in trouble for picking up illegal drugs, uh, Oxycontins off the black market because he had been addicted to them and they got real quiet about it. And they were quick to say, well, yeah, but that's because they prescribed him and he got addicted. And then, you know, after he got in trouble, he went to rehab. That's because he could. Yeah. It's because he could afford to do these things. It wasn't because it wasn't because he, he would have kept doing this until he got caught. Yes. And you know that because he did until he got caught. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that. I I feel for Rush in that situation. Like, I get it. Like, I understand what you were going through. Um, But to say that everybody deserves to just go to prison or it's their fault is just vehemently untrue. Yeah. And it does a great disservice to a lot of the people who found themselves in this situation because they got injured in high school. And then next thing you know, they're doing whatever they can for, you know, the bag for, of heroin.
0: Yeah. Of they're, the they're heroin. just trying to find relief from, from a, and without diving too deep into a discussion that I had on a previous show, but like our healthcare, um, markets are all destroyed because of government intervention costs way too much and everything else. And it just, it it pushes people to that of right. if, if you're being seen as somebody that I can just prescribe pill to pills to see you next month and hopefully you'll be better on these pills and oh, next month comes by and you're, you're not better off, but I'm still charging you out the ass. Um, Eventually people aren't going to be able to afford that and sustain that. So when we look at people lowering the, uh, the income, on the lower on the income scale these are the people most susceptible to have to take that leap into the black market and and certainly um it, across the entire nation regardless of what kind of community you're in you can find really whatever drug you want you can find hmm. somebody who has that connection that has that plug and so it's not a matter of these communities are bad at drugs and these communities are all saints and they 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 don't do that bad bad stuff and and no it's just it's a disproportionality of of how law enforcement affects it and of course it's 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 not just one topic but everything tied into one another which is why we're libertarians and we're willing to take on the whole system (laughs) so it's 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 insane i can't believe it's already been almost an hour this is (laughs) i'm upset at this how is time going so fast with this but uh but I, I did want to get into to some of the some of the facts and statistics, because I know there's um, plenty of us in the viewership. Um, I know I'll be going back and watching this again. But um, those of us in the viewership that that do like the facts and, and, and these may be concerning for you, um, when we look at the federal prisons. of them are in purely for drug convictions with an estimated 65% of them having uh, a SUD or what's called a substance use disorder. So somebody who's addicted. So with a a gross amount of people being in our federal prisons, just for drug use, not for violent crime, not for uh, here's, here's the list of everything that they've got, right? Burglaries, uh, criminal enterprises, courts, uh, drug offenses, of course, and that's the 46% extortion, homicide, immigration, uh, national security, robbery, sex offenses, weapons, explosives, and arson, this is at the halfway point. The next closest is weapons, explosives, and arsons at 20%. So our, mm. our prison system at the federal level and certainly at the state levels, um, they, they fluctuate based on where they're at, but it's such a heavy amount of our population that's sitting in there and and the rates in which um or the the disproportionateness right when you have black people making up about 13% of our population but making up about 50% of those in for drug charges like
1: i would also so based on these stats here i would also like to see uh weapons explosives and arson is 20.6%. Mm-hmm. i want to know how many of those are weapons charges on somebody who has a who got out with a drug charge and then got caught with a weapon because those are two things you shouldn't be in prison for. Yes. Because I would like to know what, what percentage of that 20.6 is a probation violation for somebody on a drug charge is now back in for that weapons charge. Um, I, I, because I'm willing to bet that that would drop that to lower than sex offenses
0: but yeah i I could definitely see that I could definitely see that argument and and to expand on that for anyone who is new to the libertarian philosophy, why we don't think that weapon charges should be uh an offense um even if you're if you're not in the prison I'll, system, go ahead I'll give them arson. arson that's an yeah. offense yeah. But but strictly for the weapons offense, right? So the idea that if you are walking around amongst our society, and and certainly there's no one in this country that's like, America is super safe. You can walk around wherever you want to, right? We don't have a society where where parents are trusting their kids to go ride their bikes three streets over anymore to go play at Timmy's house, and you don't have to call in or check in anymore, right? We, we all have this kind of... Uh, we have a culture where people are kind of concerned with the security of their own family in these areas. Um, so the idea that if somebody is is trusted to be in society, does it should not mean that they are prohibited from being able to defend themselves. So if they are a risk of hurting someone else, then there needs to actually be a system there that uh, is is keeping them away from from hurting people, right? But if you say no, no, you're safe to be out there on your own you just can't protect yourself that it's the, it's the same argument against like gun-free zones where most mass shootings happen you don't just make people defenseless because you leave them defenseless <laughs> right and and so it's, i i completely agree with that that it, it's so incredibly important um it just oh. This whole topic really just breaks my heart because at the beginning of this, right, we discussed what is a drug charge, right, of of merely possessing a drug. Um, Whether you are intaking it or whether you are selling it, right, you're merely having something. And as long as you're working on a consensual basis, you don't have a victim. Right. If if you're stabbing people with black tar heroin and just injecting a bunch of people, uh, yes, I will stand... That's that's a crime. (laughs) I will... I will I will I will try (laughs) to push you in prison myself like
1: yes I would not support that no that (laughs) that would be bad
0: but but the problem is is that this is this is Fed into a lot of our other problems, right? And so recently we had an article that got dropped um, that was talking about in California, their agriculture fields, right? The the fields of fruits and vegetables that are being picked out there. Um, they weren't getting as many migrants into the area, un, undocumented migrants so that they can be paid less than minimum wages. And so they were actually leasing prisoners because of uh, because of the 13th Amendment itself where they can have slavery through due process they're taking prisoners which most of these right as we just pointed out are somehow affiliated with drug charges and they're putting them in fields for working and when it's disproportionately black people right it sounds eerily like slavery again um so we we have like a a connection across so many different markets on this where the war on drugs has been uh, uh has shown that first of all the drugs have won because they're so prevalent, they're so cheap, they're so easily accessible. But two, that every every intention on the government on this has has been to our disadvantage. and And after we had 9/11, um, we had the wonderful uh, Patriot Act. And and I believe it's the Patriot Act that instilled the NS or the TSA, sorry, the TSA at every one of our airports. The TSA has not stopped a single terrorist, but trust me, they have stopped a lot of drugs. So so using the casualty of of thousands of Americans. I know a, a couple
1: of times they didn't stop any. Well,
0: <laughs> yes. So so being government, they're inefficient and ineffective at it, but they have stopped some drugs, and that's the important they have part. Stopped,
1: they, they have stopped some.
0: But but they'll use the they'll stand on the graves of Americans in order to create systems to further oppress the people, and they'll 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 use the threat of terrorism to justify this. It's it's insane.
1: It it is it is insane, and you see it so you see it so often. Uh, There's a case that we've talked about on Muddy Waters of Freedom uh, often Uh, here in Florida. There's a man. His name is uh, Michael Edwards, and He has been in prison, and I might get these dates wrong because I haven't looked at it in a while, since 1992. Um, And he is in prison. No, it was later than that because Bill Clinton was president with the three strikes law, so probably 1995. Um, But he's been in prison for since 1995 because of the three-strike law. And so he was he was a drug dealer, but he wasn't like a massive drug dealer and he was on his second strike. Um, and then his ex-girlfriend got popped. His ex-girlfriend got popped and they turned her and she called him up and was like, Hey, I need drugs. And so he met her at a bar and sold her. I believe it was a gram of cocaine. It may have been, it may have been an eight ball. It may have been uh two and a half grams. Um, and she had, since she had gone fed, uh, he ended up getting arrested. She went free. Um, and he has been in prison ever since. And I've been helping out, uh, Kingsley Edwards, uh, getting in touch with anybody here in Florida that can help him get released because it's now been nearly 30 years since he was been in prison for this. Um, and he's completely changed as an individual. Like he's now, uh, like he's been clean since the late nineties, and if you're doing the math on that and thinking he's been in prison since nineteen ninety four how's he been clean since the late nineties? It's because prisons don't stop anything no. um no it's it's the Department of Corrections that brings him in though um or at least helps um. But he's been clean since like the late 90s, and you know, model prisoner. I think he got caught with a cell phone one time, and that was why they've denied him uh, the last time he was up. And like, you see this often Mm -hmm. where people have been in prison uh, since the 90s for drug offenses that today wouldn't be that bad, yeah. And if you You were saying earlier about uh, the drugs drugs have won, and yes, drugs have won, but right now you can pretty much get whatever drug you want legally from a doctor. You can get meth from a doctor. Just say you have ADHD. You can get essentially heroin from a doctor if you say you have back pain. Uh, You can get weed in, what, 28 states, I think?
0: Well, you can Um, get it in most states. So there's a Delta-8 and a Delta-10 variant. And those right. are both legal because they're they're new, but they're natural.
1: Right, <laughs> and it's TH it, it's uh <laughs> <laughs> um it's, but yeah, it's hemp based. <laughs> right. It's it's hemp based and it's not uh it's not camp, like it's not marijuana. Uh so that you can technically sell that in every state. Um but you can get all of these drugs and people are in prison for what doctors are giving out just because you go in and you say, I've got ADD. Mm -hmm. So here, take meth, because that's what Ritalin and the the others are. It's meth. I've done both.
0: (laughs) One's got a little more kick to it.
1: Yes, it does. If you do enough of the Ritalin, it's very similar.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad that that's, this is is close to the wrap-up of just just take a little more riddle it's fine It'll just take some more
1: and you'll know exactly what math is like
0: well it's been an absolute pleasure i want to give you an opportunity if you want to get, hit any any points that you felt like we uh we would be remiss without hitting or any overview thoughts on this um uh, the floor um, is yours Yeah. Uh,
1: so, uh, the one thing that we didn't hit is that the government was a big portion, a big part of why drugs got dispersed into the communities as well. Um, back in the eighties with Reagan, uh, back in the eighties with Reagan, they put crack into to the urban areas to get, people CIA. There. <laughs> um, and then they were going out and arresting the people that they got addicted, uh, in order to bolster that 13th amendment job program. um, but you have that issue. Like you see that issue a lot and the government has done this time and time again. Um, And it's okay for the government to do these things in their, in their brains. It's okay for the government to do these things, but if you want to experiment with LSD, which I'm not saying you should,
0: (laughs) but Oh, geez. <laughs> but.
1: It's not the worst way to spend nine hours. <laughs> um, but uh, like you, you would get in trouble for the things that the government like gets grants in order to fund. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to give cocaine to a bunch of pigeons, you would probably be arrested the government got three hundred and
0: fifty million dollars. Um, yeah, we we just want to see what they do. Ducks, we, what do you we, what do you, what you going to do now? Got that cocaine? Right.
1: Got that cocaine? Let's yeah, let's check the mating cycle of ducks now that they're on cocaine. Because um, <laughs> that's what they need. Um, it's but. But you see that like it it is it is a massive issue and because it is not even because it's disproportionately affecting minorities. the fact that it's affecting anybody is a crime. This needs to be treated like it is a health crisis as opposed to a crime. And when we can change people's verbiage on whether or not using drugs is a crime, then people will start to realize, it only took what three and a half years for mer- or for alcohol to get overturned. Yeah. And that's because they were tired of the violence and they figured it was just easier to make it legal. And that way people wouldn't be going the black, uh, the black market route. And Oh, fun fact. Do you know what the number one selling beverage during prohibition was? No idea. Grape juice. And most grape juice came with a label that said, do not add two cups of sugar. Do not store in a dark cabinet for this many days. (laughs) Oh,
0: I'm not going to make wine with this. Don't worry. I trust this. Grape
1: grape juice was the number one selling beverage during Prohibition. Um, Hmm. But... But it only took like three and a half years. The fact that marijuana hasn't, and you still see it, they talk about the violence that goes on down in Mexico because of the drug cartels. Um, And you see they talk about the gangs in the big cities uh, fighting over territory for drug sales. All of this goes away. Yes. If you, le- if you decriminalize or legalize drugs and allow it to be sold at 7-Eleven and CVS and Walgreens and Publix, oh God, if Publix started selling weed, that'd be so ironic and hilarious. <laughs> um, but all of that would go away. Yes. And fun fact, the number one Republicans, any Republican who happens to be watching, the number one funder of terrorist groups is drug cartels. So if you legalize drugs here, or decriminalize them here, and allow people to grow and allow people to make it here, it shuts down the funding to the drug cartels, which in turn shuts down the terrorist organization because they don't have their funding anymore. It's literally a win-win-win.
0: Yes, and and uh, you you brought up a a, a thought of mine. Um, I I used to sit down and, and I got really deep into like Netflix documentaries like you would see me at home at any moment i was sitting there watching that nec- documentaries and um i was watching um something on the war on drugs probably two to three years ago and this really stuck with me was that um you know fentanyl is now a big big issue for a lot of people when you talk mm-hmm. about drugs right when when we had uh george floyd this last uh was it last year or was it a year and a half now um it was may of 20
1: may of 2020
0: Okay, so it was twenty twenty. Okay, so last year when when George Floyd went down, right? So we we saw a lot of the talking points of fentanyl being in his body, um, but when you when you're a drug dealer in a in a city, right, in 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 an area, um, the best way to get publicity, the best way to get a lot more customers is to have something that's going to give that extra kick, right? Something that's going to cause somebody to overdose. And so as a product of this being a black market, as a product of not being able to know what is going into, um, into these drugs, what is being cut into these drugs, whether it's the heroin, whether it's, uh, it's even, you know, people have tried to cut into, to marijuana. Like if you, if you pass in out joints and stuff like that, if you sell them already wrapped up, you can try to cut stuff into that. Uh, the there, the opportunities, I'm not
1: saying to cut it with PCP, but
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so the opportunity is there for these drug dealers because it's the black market, because there is no, no oversight from the communities for them to cut in fentanyl for them to for somebody who's at a party for the first time wanting to just try to have a lighten up night and have a good time with it to have full-fledged fentanyl being cut into it and and ultimately cause them to die or for somebody who is a routine user um who you know gets fentanyl cut into it for the first time and they die so i mean the the black market around this circumstance around the war on drugs the black market is what is actually has been perpetuating the deaths not to mention of course the atrocities being committed by the the justice system as we've kind of laid out um in the earlier conversation so the, so let's try to take these big um big public hits for these drug dealers of having them overdose somebody it's to where they're getting a lot more customers but instead let publics start selling their marijuana
1: <laughs> exactly even though they lobby against it every year. Um, but yeah, let them do it. Yeah. And people are like, Oh, I don't want it being sold to kids. It's being sold to kids now. Like, and there's just no like, there's no, the difference between selling it to me and selling it to a child, I don't think is probably much in the punishment aspect of it. Um, so I know if I was still a regular drug user, if i was going to 7-eleven and they were selling cocaine and lsd to children i probably would not go to that 7-eleven to give them money anymore i would go to cbs where they are making sure people are of, yeah uh appropriate age to be doing these things and that is where the free market starts to work um i wouldn't if they got rid of the if they got rid of the uh, alcohol age when i was still drinking if they got rid of the alcohol age and anybody of any age could go to any bar I would not be going to the one with drunk 14 year olds.
0: Yeah. Especially if you were like single at that time. Cause it's like, I don't want to risk that either. Right. Of having the opportunity. Cause we've all seen out there and, and younger girls are trying to look older and older to, to look mm-hmm. of age in a drunken stupor. I mean, any man or woman out there that is of age wouldn't want to be out there. And so it would just be literally a pool of underage kids drinking there. And, and if, I don't see them surviving for very long in that circumstance. So the market can correct itself. We just have to give it the opportunity. Um, Right. And and right now we don't have that.
1: And what 14 year old can afford to go out and get a good drunk on?
0: Yeah. That's not cheap. I mean, I mean, granted, if you're 14, you probably don't have much of a tolerance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two Bud Lights, please. I'm toasted.
1: (laughs) I am done. But I've never been this wasted. I had that before I got here, man. What's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> I had I had that in the car walking in. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I,
1: drank, I drank that while I was driving
0: here. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I I gotta say, man, it was absolute pleasure. I loved tonight. This was actually your first time coming on to my show.
1: It was, um, yeah, no. This is my first time on Mister America, the Bearded Truth.
0: So it was, it was amazing to have you on here. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy schedule, of course, to to come in here.
1: I, it it is my pleasure uh, to come on here, and honestly, like you, I say this on my show a lot. So now, I'm, now I'm going to say it on your show. You, you are truly an inspiration. <laughs> 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 you, you, for anybody who really knows you, you are an inspiration. Um, the fact, everything that you do for your friends and for your family is light years beyond, um, what is probably expected, but you do it so seemingly effortlessly and you are one of the great arbiters of Liberty that is out there, which as soon as, as soon as it came, (laughs) as soon as it came up as an option to have you on, like I watched a couple of your episodes and Spike and I talked about it and we said, yeah, this makes perfect sense. This guy is going to be, this guy's awesome. Like he's, he's going to be the next big, the next big thing. Um, I was off. It was
0: Spike apparently. Was...
1: <laughs> um, don't worry. You're, you're in that pipeline. Give me a couple decades. Uh,
0: we'll, we'll get there one
1: day. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like a decade younger than Spike. Um, but like, to be able to work with you in the aspect that both of us get to is a humbling experience. And honestly, like the way that you handle uh, all that life throws at you uh, is truly an inspiration. And I strive to be more like you constantly, except in your notes. <laughs> yeah, not no, your I was going to say that.
0: I was like, the not notes. in your notes, <laughs> but
1: in every other aspect of your life, um, I strive to be more like you because you you are a hero to many. I,
0: I, I was making a little bit of a joke by like wiping out the tears, but like I was that was that was incredible, man. I, I appreciate that. And uh it it wasn't a joke. Like I was actually starting to wall up a little bit. I, I, I appreciate that so much. I've always looked up to you know, ever since I saw Muddy Waters the first time, uh when since we're sharing this stuff. Um when we so, had six
1: viewers. Hey,
0: those were amazing six viewers. Don't you forget
1: it. You know, big fan of all six of them.
0: I, um, so I was doing my own standalone show for you guys. And, um, I was doing my own standalone thing and I was on Tuesday nights and I was i I reached out to you guys, and I was like, "Hey, what time are you guys doing your show?" I think I reached out to Spike, I was like, "What time are you guys doing your shows? Because I wanna like stagger it where I can like you know when I finish up, I can just shout you guys out and move my audience over to you guys because I absolutely fell in love with like your guys is just it, it's it's a it's a chill environment where you guys are hitting." uh hitting the topics hard and you guys are bringing about libertarian philosophy and you guys are actually making uh, a huge impact and certainly right as we looked at at the 2020 election, um, muddy waters media was was carrying some heavy weight um and and certainly changing the aspect of this And so um, I, I fell in love with you guys and and I'm so incredibly grateful uh, you know you, you you pointed out that when you guys threw me the offer I, I, I giggled like a schoolgirl.
1: Like a schoolgirl. Um, but
0: I mean, just imagine having like a a freaking superhero being like, "Hey, you want to be a part of the Justice League?" It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so this was absolutely amazing to 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 come on and be a part of this, and and for you guys to to have that belief in me, it, it, it means the world. And and um, hopefully, you know, hopefully in a decades time, I will have a quarter of the clout that either of you guys do and, and have made a quarter of the uh, improvements to our society around us than you guys have both done. And uh, I absolutely love you guys and I appreciate you guys each and every day. And and I'll never stop saying thank you guys for letting me have this show to come on here and just bore people to death. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, I mean, your show is definitely not boring. Uh, there's only one Muddy water show. I don't watch. That i'm not on and um <laughs> it's it's not yours um i'm not gonna say whose, but they it's have not a yours
0: beer? yes
1: i mean yeah that's everybody else on muddied waters
0: yes Cajun, I hope you were listening to that. Everyone <laughs> on Muddy Waters has a lesser beard. Thank you so much, Matt.
1: Every, yes, everybody else has a lesser beard. Um, <laughs> but your, your show is definitely not boring. It, it is exceptionally informative uh, and is presented in a way that even the dumbest guy in the room uh, can understand it. <laughs> and makes the argument easily, easily accessible and uh, palatable and makes it... E- makes it so other people can go out and to deliver the same message, uh, which is a gift to be able to do.
0: I appreciate that so much. And I don't want to sit here and just circle jerk each other off for the next 30 minutes, but uh, I absolutely love that you took the time out to, to join me tonight and and I appreciate it. So the first guest from the new segment... Matt Wright got the honors and I'm absolutely honored to have you on and I appreciate it, man. And, and with that, I hope everyone has a great night. Make sure you guys are going out there, sharing this out. Uh, go give us all the reviews you can on every platform you find us on. Um, help us out, get this message spread. Um, do it for Matt, do it for Spike, do it for myself, do it for Cajun and, and for Eskimo as they all have the lesser beards from muddy waters. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But I love you guys. I appreciate you guys all. Keep fighting the good fight, and uh, we'll see you guys back here tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern for Muddy Waters of Freedom, and then Wednesday night, my fellow Americans, with Spike Cohen, and of course, you'll see this guy back again Thursday night for the Writers' Block, and then Friday night, the only person, the only group that doesn't want to be on at 8 p.m. of Freedom time, that's Eastern time, is the from Bayou to Igloos with Eskimo and Cajun at 9:30 p.m. Eastern. Love you guys all. And if you guys have Clubhouse, you guys are more than welcome to hop on there after this. I will be in there. Um, Potentially, Matt will be on there as well. I'm not going to ask him that live on the air and just throw that at him. But um, but love you guys, and I'll see you guys soon.